Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm so excited that you're listening today, and I'm thrilled to share this episode with my guest, recognition expert, author, woman extraordinaire, Sarah McVannell. Um, She's going to... Hi, Sarah. Hi. She's going to help us discover how to really embrace failure and how, as she puts it, to turn um, failure into your superpower instead of your kryptonite, which is really the crux of her book that I absolutely love, um, The Flip Side of Failing. I devoured this book, I have to say, and it is, (laughs) yay, it was so good, (laughs) especially now, right, Mm. when we're experiencing unprecedented times, a crisis that's affecting every part of our lives, every part of it. There isn't a part that's untouched, right? Mm -hmm. And so many teams and leaders today are are overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. afraid of what might come, what the future might hold, and the ability to um, embrace mistakes as we are thrust into new ways of working, the ability to be okay with stumbling Mm -hmm. and knowing how to pick yourself up and and leverage that is so important today more than ever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to have Sarah explore that with us. And and before I formally introduce um, Sarah and her amazing expertise, you know, as I was reading uh, Sarah's book, this story came to mind, and it's actually one of my favorite stories, and I think it's it's really relevant right now. And I want to share it with you before before we get started, Sarah. And it's actually a, a Cherokee parable about an old man teaching his grandson about life. Mm-hmm. And, and the man turns to his grandson and he says, there are two wolves fighting ferociously inside me. One wolf is evil. He is Anger, envy, regret, sorrow, greed, false pride, superiority, ego, and and all evil things, he says to his grandson. And the grandson looks curious and he asks, well, grandfather, who is the other wolf? Oh, the other wolf is very different. He is love. He is hope, joy, kindness, humility, vulnerability, and all other good things. Well, now the boy looked really curious and asked, well, grandfather, do I have wolves living inside me? Oh, yes, replied the grandfather, you and every living being. Mm -hmm. Now the boy looked worried and asked, grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old man replied, the one you feed. Now, I don't believe we have wolves of good and evil necessarily within us, but I do believe we as individuals and our teams and our organizations do have wolves living and fighting within them. And those are wolves of excellence and wolves of failure. Mm -hmm. And there's often a third wolf lurking within, and that's the wolf of complacency. Mm -hmm. And these wolves don't get big and strong on one big mistake or one big success, 
they get strong on the little things we do every day. It's the little things we do every day that create our culture, that create our results. And oftentimes people think that the wolf of failure is the most dangerous wolf. But in fact, that wolf of failure, if we feed it with curiosity and empathy and learning, feeds excellence. And we cannot excel without it. It's the wolf of complacency that's the dangerous wolf. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited to explore with you today, Sarah, how to feed that wolf of failure so that it actually also feeds excellence Mm -hmm. and healthy cultures in our organizations. And so with that, Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Sarah is a recognition expert and founder of the firm Greatness Magnified. Sarah is the author of five books, including The Flip Side of Failing and her newest book, Rockstar, Magnify Your Greatness in Times of Change. And Sarah brings over 20 years of experience. She's a speaker, a coach, a facilitator, a consultant, a a mom, and she knows firsthand what it takes or what how challenging it can be really to take mm-hmm. risks in both personal life and her career and and has embraced, learned how to embrace failure through real struggles that, that everybody has. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Nicole. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So tell us a little bit about your journey and Greatness Magnified, your company. Well, it started with a failure. Like most uh, big changes that we make in life, I uh, have a two wonderful kids. And um, one of them was being just tormented at school, bullying for years. I actually share the story at the very beginning. So you'll probably recognize this story, Nicole, from the book. And we thought that the bullying had been addressed, that it was in the past, And when I came home from work one day, it was very evident through some self-harm that he had begun to engage in that it was still happening. And the only way for him to process that uh, emotional pain was through creating physical pain. And I felt like a total failure. I mean, besides the fact that I had been home late yet again, because I was working in a senior leadership role by this point. And so I thought, well, what if I'd been more attentive? I came from a mental health background, and so why didn't I see this? I felt like a failure as a mom. This had been something that he has gone through before. I can't believe I didn't fix this. And my husband felt like a failure too. He's an an educator. And my son had been, and my daughter had been home with him for the last three hours before I got home. So why were we not a safe place to land? And what we realized was that there are things, sometimes things beyond our control and beyond our, our space of awareness. However, it's how we handle those moments of failure. If we got fixated on the fact that we had let him down, then we would have been down with him. We had to lean into it and figure out, okay, the universe clearly is telling us something. The world is waking us up and our son is the vehicle for positive change or this can collapse our family. And we just decided it was going to redefine things. And so we got on this, I love your word, curiosity. We got really curious And a few weeks after that situation, I was on my mat, my yoga mat, and I had this vision of a completely different life. 
in a facilitating amazing folks in a barn with a beautiful water body of water that I could see from where I was standing in front of a hearth. And I felt great that what I was doing mattered and I could emotionally feel like my family was on the same property and that they were in good shape. And I came home and I couldn't wait to tell my husband that this was the new life. I I was going to leave my job. I was going to start a new business. We were going to have a barn on the property. I was going to facilitate events and be a speaker. And he completely freaked out because, of course, that is the last thing you'd expect your wife, who just is supposedly coming home from this Zen experience. And we realized that actually, if we didn't make drastic changes to our life, then we may just continue to have a son plagued by mental health issues. And we'd never be able to get him away from the situation that hadn't gotten any better weeks later. So that's what we did. We sold everything. I quit, I left my job with five months notice. We got out of debt, sold our house, our cottage, and moved our family back to where I come from in Niagara. And we live on that property with that water. And I'm on the upper floor of the barn. We're downstairs when it's not COVID. I can facilitate events and I get to speak internationally. It would have never happened had he not showed us the light that we could do something different. I love that story. And I love that you've put your personal story um, out there for the world to, to learn from and to experience in a way with you. I think so many of us, especially moms and women, and we we put out um, we don't put out often as much as we could out of fear of judgment, mm-hmm. out of fear of not being perfect. Um, and so, when I read that first part of your book, I was able to take a breath and not only take a breath and let go and say, "Okay." you know, I can be more vulnerable in certain ways, even with my own clients and sharing, you know, uh, flaws or struggles that I've had, um, that it actually helps other people. So um, I, I really appreciated you, you putting that out there. So thank you for that. Thank you. And it was that I'm curious, you know, you focus so much of your work on recognition, right? And recognizing others and helping organizations really recognize the diversity and true greatness that that's around them in their teams and in their organizations. How did you go from recognition to writing a book about failing and embracing it? And how are the two connected? Yeah, such a good question. And thank you for asking. Um, Well, I actually was trying to write a book about greatness because what I teach people is how to frog forever recognize others' greatness. And so I wanted to write the G part. I'd written, co-authored Forever Recognize Others' Greatness with somebody that I used to work with, and then we produced a workbook. So it was now time for the motivational, hopeful, positive, inspirational book. And Lots of people have been asking for that book and been and they booked that keynote a lot. So I wanted to have a resource where people could dive deeper. After I'm done with folks spoken them for with them for an hour, when people want to do more, that's often where they can do more is reading the book or a workbook. And I interviewed all these amazing Canadians, Everest climbers and Olympians and 3M scholars and award-winning journalists and singer-songwriters to write the book about greatness. <sighs> well. All the themes came back. We transcribed all the interviews. 
And I started to write the book and Nicole, it was the most boring book you could ever imagine. <laughs> I mean, I could not possibly subject anyone to that book. So I put it aside and I did lots of other things with my life. And then I went back six months later and because I just thought, well, if I'm just going to let it simmer. Because apparently that's, you know, if, if it works with sauce, it's probably works <laughs> with books. So why not try it again? <laughs> Well, I failed at that too. It was even more boring. It was now it's even safer version because I failed once. So now I'm going to just, and after 10,000 words, I just gave up. And I thought, this is not what I'm supposed to be producing. So I left it for six months and I came back. And when I reread all of the interviews, I, and I mean a thousand pages of transcribed interviews. So this was no small feat. I realized that the only theme that arose in every single interview completely unsolicited about greatness was how they strove to fail and that they unconditionally recognized themselves and all the people around them. They had a failure resilient context and that was why they were successful. Peter Mansbridge, one of our Canadian journalists, most successful of all times, he doesn't have a university degree and nobody thought that he could get as far in his career as he has. Um, Peter or, or um, Heather Moise, an Olympic bobsledder, was a rugby player, and she was asked to come out to tryouts. She had to miss the first day because she had a commitment to her national rugby team. Shows up, blows them away, and is asked to join the Olympic team. First year, she goes to the Olympics. They don't medal. They come in fourth place, which is worse than any other place you could probably come in. But she goes back, requalifies and brings home her and her colleague, the first gold medal in female double bobsledding and went on to do it again. And out of retirement, came back again to help a new athlete in the uh, emerging sledding team. And although they didn't bring home a gold, she helped mentor a new athlete. Like it's people like Heather and Peter and the other 30 people I interviewed that showed me if we don't strive to sometimes surpass all of our own and others' expectations of us, that is how we, you know, we'll hold ourselves back. How we actually reinvent ourselves, how we live into our great greatness is if we can drop some of those judgments you just talked about, how we can live our life with purpose and really answer that big question that Simon Sinek's always encouraging us to ask is what's your why? Mm -hmm. And often we filter ourselves, we filter others. We look at the way people are judging us versus hearing the recognition, the acknowledgement and the reinforcement that exists around us. So it's shifting our lens. That's the flipping of failure is that if we're going to have obstacle setbacks and roadblocks, hello, COVID, thank you for showing us that there's even more than we thought that there were before COVID. If we can lean into that and see that there's something, there's some meaning to that. And instead of accuse and blame and feel shame and instead accept failure. And there's, as you see in the book, there's the accuse versus accept mindset of failure, resiliency versus resistance. Then we have so much potential to be able to leverage it to our advantage as opposed to it be our kryptonite. I love that. So tell us a little bit about the accepting piece, mm -hmm. right? Just uh, a couple of, of pieces around how do we move from being able to accept it or and, and even strive for it? Mm -hmm. What are the, the key differentiators there? 
Yeah. And these, this came out of all of these interviews with folks. Again, when we look read between the lines about where their, their greatness lies. Um, and for folks who want this, they can certainly go to greatness magnified slash the flip side of failing. So accept is we need to acquire. So what can be learned? C is choice. What options are available? The other C is connection. How can this actually bond and unite us? E is expect. Could this be expected? P is progress. What's the best way forward? And T is transformation. What is important on the long term and what could be possible as a result of this? When we, the challenge is that we often think that if failure happens, it's unexpected, it's a shock, it's a problem. How many of your clients, Nicole, have said, wow, I actually think some things are better as a result of COVID. I've learned something. Our teams have uh, are probably going to, we're gonna, we're embracing working remotely now that we weren't doing before. I've spent more time with my family. There's There are some benefits that can happen even when you never want a global health crisis to happen. It can still be an education and an eye opener for us. Absolutely. And, and what do you see I mean, in order for it to be an eye-opener, right, in order for individuals and teams to choose to see um, crises as opportunities or to see the good um, from a crisis or from a failure, um, I, I want to talk when we come back from break around what at the core differentiates. I love the accept you know, um, stages or, or those steps. And fundamentally, what do people need to focus on to begin to even see things differently, right? Mm-hmm. To change that inner chatter around, you know, from victim to um, seeking ways to take control and to really own the outcomes or the experience that you're having. So when we get back from break, we'll explore maybe how we can shift our responses to have a different experience. So stay tuned. We'll come back with Sarah in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K-A-N-D dot C-O slash e-course. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. Hi, welcome back. So I'd love to explore with you, Sarah, how individuals can really shift their perspective and their response in times of crises or in times of of failure when somebody's made a mistake. You know, my mom always has this saying that she always says, it's it's not what happens to us in life that creates our experience. It's how we respond to what happens that creates our experience. And, And you talk about uh, a failure resilient mindset. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what a failure resilient mindset is all about. It's a choice, choosing to respond differently. So, can you share a little bit about how I know you shared the accept, which I love, and you can get more into that in your mm-hmm. book. How can people begin to even recognize the mindset that they have and whether mm-hmm. it's working for them or not and start to shift in different ways to be more resilient in times of failure? Mm-hmm. And that accept versus accuse framework is the heart of mindset. When we looked at people who naturally or perhaps over time had understood that their path to greatness was going to be riddled with failures. And some of the folks, the failures happened to them. They were born with a heart defect or they were born into a family of abuse and they had to find new meaning to their life because they weren't going to repeat old habits or patterns or they were going to not um, let their what they were born with or the circumstances around them define who they were. So they had to accept and versus accuse. And that's part of the place of choice is, is that you may not have any choice about what is around you. However, as your mom had mentioned, so I'd have to interview her for a second <laughs> book, <laughs> is that it's, it's how you show up. And one of my favorite quotes is by Nelson Mandela. And he says, I never lose. I either win or learn. And and that's, I think, something that we need to embrace during COVID times is that what do we need to learn right now? This cannot be for nothing. Obviously, there's very smart people out there who are helping us get through this crisis and who are having to make big decisions. And on a personal level or on a professional career or work level, we have to make choices every single day based on partial information that is obviously related to COVID. And it's also what we experience coming into it. it. COVID has created this blurry haze for all of us. However, as you have too, we've been in the field for a long time. It's not like things were easy breezy. We all, none of us had problems and fights. Our organizations were tight ships and we didn't have anything to improve. It's, it's maybe shifted our focus away And what I like to talk to my clients about is how has this lowered the waterline on some cracks that already existed? And if you look at that crack and you say, what's broken about us and what's wrong with us, then we don't have a lot of motivation or focus to be able to try to elevate ourselves. Instead, if it's, you know what, this is our opportunity to expose the cracks that were always there and to fix it. How do we want to fix it? Can we patch it right now? But then we also have to do some major repair work. It's worth it. Are you in or are you out? 
And a lot of my clients are having very strong accountability conversations. Some people are opting out of organizations, opting out of their careers. Um, They're making really big shifts that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to or the fortitude otherwise. My career is a perfect example of that is if it weren't for my son helping me see another way, I would have had no confidence to leave the pension and the security and the health benefits and the salary. I'll tell you though, we're all happier and healthier and financially we're just as as well off as we were beforehand. I just would never have believed it because the status quo was always having a career until I don't know, you retired or you had no mortgage and so forth. So sometimes we have to do things differently. So that's the mindset piece. The Mm -hmm. failing resilient context is the other essential component that I learned from these great Canadians. And and when I say great Canadians, that's who I interviewed because I'm a, you know, I'm a loyal patriot, patriot, but you know, any org, any country, I'm sure you would find great examples of this. When you have a, an environment, whether that's a family environment, friend environment, a spiritual community environment and volunteering, and of course, work environment, where you are allowed to not get it right sometimes. In fact, people expect, now they have in the tech industry, things like failure con. There's this rotating museum of failure where we look, oh, look at all the marketing flops that have happened. That's Sure, if you don't put out 10 products and a whole bunch of them fail, how are you going to find that Cabbage Patch doll or the Rubik's Cube? Who would have thought a Cabbage Patch doll or a Rubik's Cube would, yeah. would, would work? Who would have thought Lego? Here's little tiny sharp pieces of only a few colors. You stick them together and people are going to build things out of them. And, right. you know, or Barbie dolls. Nobody would ever expect those things would be defining beacons for those companies. There's so much of that that exists in our organizations. There are shining stars in organizations that we aren't seeing. There are um, careers that we have not yet even realized were destiny for us. It's when we have a context around us of people and um, and and also organizational and and other system contexts that allow us to try and experiment and to your word again, curiosity, we can bring curiosity into those situations. And then when these these moments of failure and obstacle happens, there's three responses. It can deflate us. Mm -hmm. We can just mitigate our way through it and we can elevate. Not all of us go straight to elevate. Even the great Canadians, many of them struggled. It was challenging. Lots of going back into, into it deflated them. And it's, it's about the momentum where we can get where this can help us. And that's going to be a defining factor for many organizations on the other side of COVID. In fact, during COVID, certainly, but definitely on the other side of it. How many of us can elevate from it? I love the term elevate and, and everything it means to a leader's health and well-being and success and and that of their team, right? And I agree, uh, COVID is going to make or break um, a team and it depends on our ability to elevate ourselves above the crisis um, and ask good questions that will help us to see things differently and discover the path forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like you, I'm going to assume like that the two of us have worked with leaders who have grown up in organizations that 
are not fond of failure. Mm, who have absolutely in organizations where they've been taught that invincibility is the way to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and in my previous episode, I talk about invincibility and vulnerability being two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. that um, both are essential to exceptional leadership. And in my experience, leaders tend to be more comfortable and live in one more than the mm-hmm. other. And when leaders grow up in organizations where they're taught to portray a level of invincibility where they're never, they, you can never be wrong. You always have the right answer. Never show weakness. Um, and when they arm themselves with, you know, defense shields throughout their whole career, it becomes very difficult for them to lead in this new world of work. In or in an organization that even if the organization hasn't fully shifted its values, their team members are demanding of a, a shift in leadership mm-hmm. style. Otherwise, they're going to leave, yes. right? Or they won't be engaged. They'll be they'll stay, but they'll be checked out, which is even mm-hmm. worse, mm-hmm. right? So, how do you help leaders take that first step in? shedding the armor and recognizing the importance of being more vulnerable and failing and and even helping their team to strive for that failure in an industry like healthcare, maybe that you and I both love Mm -hmm. um, and respect so greatly where failure is not an option and it's very risk averse. So how do you support leaders and teams working in those types of environments? Well, certainly healthcare is a great example of an industry where we didn't like to admit that there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of errors that were happening already. The patient safety movement revealed that we have the highest incident industry of any industry. There are more likely to, we're more likely to see a situation, a a very small mistake that didn't lead to any actual long-term problem, such as um, maybe giving a Tylenol to the wrong patient. I meant to give it to person in bed A versus bed B. And there was no problem. However, that was still a near miss right through to, there's a reason why we do things like the surgical safety checklist before we operate on somebody because people have been operated on who shouldn't be, or the wrong leg has been removed. There are parameters now we put in place, not because we think that Failure is an industry that is a problem. We if we don't have to look any further than COVID to see how resourceful and resilient and committed and dedicated our providers are. And we're all human. We get tired when you are when they do research on at the beginning of a shift versus the end of a shift, or if you've been on call for 48 hours, what the incident rate is for that physician coming off of a long residence uh, call versus at the beginning, we are not equipped as human beings to be failure-proof. So we almost need to look to those industries where the stakes are so high. Lives are on the line. uh, Planes have fallen out of the sky. Boats have crashed. Hello, Titanic. So what can we learn about this? Because if we expect it, then it has an opportunity for us to have a dialogue about it. So this is what I would encourage leaders to do is to tell somebody about a mistake you've made in your career, a disappointment you've had, something you're struggling with right now, 
the more you can be vulnerable, and hey, Brene Brown's research is a perfect example of this. The more vulnerable we are, the more people respect us, the more authentic our conversations are, the more likely we are to surface issues and actually address them. So if we don't feel we need to be perfect, or at least we're willing to suspend judgment for a moment that we don't have to be, then we may actually be willing to share something that we may not have shared before. And my guess is what's going to happen to those leaders is the exact same thing that happens at the end of a keynote. People will come up to me, and as I'm sure they will, your leaders, with open hearts and perhaps tears running down their face or a huge smile on their face. And they will say, you don't know how much it meant that you shared that. And they won't forget you. You may be the leader that they think of when somebody says, who is the most inspirational leader in your life? Who is the person that had the most positive impact on your career? If you could be like anybody, which leader would you like to be like in your career? It is likely you because you've been willing to be vulnerable and open and honest because every single leader has a whole slew of disappointments, failures, obstacles, roadblocks. It's when we don't talk about them. That's when we can't create a movement. It's when women for years and years and years hid the fact that sexual harassment was part of their history, their lived experience. And finally, some brave women were willing to say, this is what happened to me. And other people said, me too. This is where we're finally start to hold people accountable. And if I see that happening on a global scale, I might be willing to speak up in my organization of 10 people. And I wouldn't have otherwise, because I would have felt I am out here alone. I guess this is something that I have to tolerate. A lot of us think in workplaces and in organizations, we have to tolerate bad behavior, lack of accountability, unfair treatment, and we're in an age of diversity and inclusion and equal rights and millennials not being willing to tolerate um, bad behavior as they shouldn't. Now is the time organizations can lean into the fact that it's not perfect around here. Nobody expected it would be. You're the one who expected it would be, but not everybody else. And the sooner we can accept that, the more likely we are actually going to improve our organizations, retain our top talent, and recognize the greatness that we have been missing by only getting into problem solving and fix it mode. Oh my gosh, I love that. I have I have goosebumps. Um, I love just owning it, right? That that uh, leaning in. Um, and sparking conversations that can be difficult, but the more we lean in and share the conversation and create the sense of we're in this together, and unless we um, highlight and expose some of the struggles we're having, they're not going to go away. And we are all accountable to creating the culture in which we work. We are all accountable to ourselves and one another. And it's only when we start to share expectations and fears and mistakes that it becomes okay to do so. And when that is lacking, it does start with the leader, right? Um, it's, it does, it's everybody's responsibility, but when it is lacking in your team, it does start with the leader in taking that first step to, to shift the culture and shift the dialogue. And I love 
um, the examples that you shared, just start to share, right? Mm-hmm. Just start to maybe ask some different questions. Um, I always Probably this will reveal if you have an engagement survey result that you cannot figure out. Why is it when we've done these work around, this work around mental health and well-being and we've put extra benefits in place and people are still saying they're dissatisfied? Look at how vulnerable you and your colleagues have been willing to be. It's likely doesn't feel like a humanizing environment. So this is one of the greatest answers we have to our low engagement culture is that it feels like a place to show up and get my work done as opposed to a place I want to be and live my purpose, which is, of course, your whole philosophy and all the people listening to this. It's about how do I live into my purpose? Well, your part of your purpose is going to be riddled with failures, disappointments, and obstacles, and your culture will have some parts of that too. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to opt out of our career or of our business. It may be making some micro tweaks that make all the difference in the world. I love that, the micro tweaks. I equate, you know, a leader's journey to small shifts in Mm. their approach. Mm. I don't play golf, but I'm assuming it's similar to golf. If you Mm -hmm. shift the angle of your club just a little bit, it will have a significant impact on the trajectory of where the golf ball goes. And so you're right. It's not one big act. It's little things you can do daily that may push you outside of your comfort zone, but it doesn't have to be a big leap Mm. to becoming a completely different leader or different person. It's um, sharing something that you may not have otherwise shared. It's asking a question or shifting the dialogue in your one-to-ones to to have more meaningful conversation. And you mentioned engagement. When we get back, I'd love to chat with you about how getting clear on your purpose um, and staying connected to that can enable you to to fail forward and fail more comfortably if we know where we're going mm-hmm. um, and to dig a little deeper into that. So we'll explore some more things with, with Sarah um, when we get back from break. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. So welcome back. And uh, before break, Sarah and I were talking while Sarah really was sharing with us things that leaders can do that you can do to begin to step out of invincibility and into vulnerability, right? And to really connect more with your team members by sharing um, learnings or sharing um, mistakes or what have you um, to begin to create the awareness that, hey, it's okay. And we, in order to move forward and to create the culture we want to create together and to get through crises, we need to be able to share openly and expose struggles and talk about them and work through them together. And what I'm going to assume, Sarah, is that the clearer a leader is or a team is on its purpose and its goals and what they're striving to achieve, the clearer the why around why should we you know, expose ourselves to this discomfort <laughs> of sharing our warts and everything um, with my team. You know, uh, how does getting clear on purpose link to um, being comfortable with vulnerability and building trust along the way? Well, uh, there's, I think, two key parts around purpose. There's your own purpose that you have when you come to the arena of work. So what is your why? And I think a lot of us enter our careers with a why that's more than a paycheck. And unfortunately, somewhere along the way, we performance manage and performance appraise and train that out of people. We have to meet other people's expectations. We're not encouraged to look inward. That is until somebody goes to a conference and or receives an assessment on emotional intelligence. Then we're like, no, we've got to get now self-aware. It's this yin and yang approach of outside myself and inside myself. And it's been my experience, a lot of leaders really are striving to find harmony with that. However, it, there's a lot of external feedback that they're not measuring up, whether it's direct or people's assumption that they're not measuring up. And we lean, I think, more heavily, and at least in the leadership coaching I do, people define how well they're doing more through the external lens of both the story they're telling themselves, as well as feedback they've received. And sometimes that feedback that they've received was 15 years ago, and it's still a big part of their story. So that gets internalized. And then you have potentially the organization's why on top of that, which we, you and I both know isn't always clearly defined. And it can be, feel like a bit of a moving target. What's the why this week? And really, it's not the actual why. It's not our core purpose. If we say our number one job is to make sure that every single customer is delighted beyond all reason. And yet we have a policy where I cannot be giving a refund to that customer unless I get it approved by a supervisor. That why has just been disproven. And now everything else you tell me, organization, I'm going to question. I'm going to question myself. I'm going to question our policies. I'm going to question if does the organization really mean their why. 
Similarly, if I if if I'm somebody who's leading a team and I follow that and I I fight for it and that's what we're going to do, and then another leader comes in because I'm on holidays or because there's a leadership change or perhaps I go to another department for a quote stretch assignment, and all of a sudden, the, oh no, what we do around here isn't that we save money to our shareholders. So now all of a sudden, which why do you follow? It's not it's exhausting to continue to figure out what's the why of the day, whose why should I follow? This is where we have politics and disengagement and distrust and turnover. Instead, what we probably are better is is investing and figuring out why do we exist? What is the whole point of us doing this work? And not it not just be lip service. When we say, as hospitals, we are here to provide exceptional patient care and brackets, we're doing that the best we can, given that we are humans and we have only so much money and we can't predict the future <laughs> and bracket. I would rather work for an organization that is honest like that, as opposed to every surface in the entire hospital be plastered exceptional patient care, exceptional patient care, exceptional patient care, because what do I do? Well, I've got my sandwich and I'm trying to wait for the elevator to get up to my floor. I can't provide exceptional patient care. Is it me or is it the organization that's wrong? Is it something wrong with me or should they be, are they asking too much? And that's where we get this us and them dichotomy happening. It's either us and them and like me warring within myself or it's me warring outside of myself. But either way, it's not moving us in the direction of trying to do the very best we can with what we have. And that's vulnerability, is where we're trying to live our purpose as well as we possibly can, and we figure it out as we go. It's mm-hmm. it's not the old adage of, when I'm on my deathbed, I don't want to have any regrets. When I'm on my deathbed, I want to look back and say, these are all the things I tried. And thank God I tried all those things because I would have never experienced this and this and this. So no regrets seems like there's some perfect formula to live your life, live your career, raise your children, be married to your spouse. That is this this path. If I could just find the path, it's a choose your own adventure. I don't know if you read those books as a kid. Yeah, I love those books. Love those books. You could go A and B, or you could even go C. And if you don't like the way you you went B and you don't like it, you go a few pages back and then try A after all. Imagine if we, we saw our careers and our relationships and ourselves as a choose-your-own-adventure. There's going to be some obstacles and failures and roadblocks that we didn't expect. And those are the leaders that can live with purpose even during times of great chaos like right now. Because they can say, hey, we've been through the other tough stuff. Remember this thing? I remember that thing. I remember this. We've been through it. What can we learn from those times that we went through that? The last recession, that, that major client who went another direction and we had to rebuild uh, our client base, the time we had that massive flood. It, we had, I talked about in the story, Chapman's Ice Cream, where they had a massive fire and there, it could have ruined their business. And it didn't because they they knew that there could be a failure like a fire or a flood or a tornado go through their town that could 
stop business. It could interrupt their business. So they got business interruption insurance. And insurance, they say, is the best investment you hope you never cash in on. They unfortunately had to cash in on it. And because of that, they're able to get things back on track. They're able to keep their full-time employees with a full salary so that they retain their amazing loyal workforce and they didn't lose their freezer space, which is the hardest space to get in a grocery store. They're a success story of if you expect that there's going to be failures and you plan for it. And your purpose is to keep delivering consistent value to your employees, to your customers, to your your community. Then you you find a formula that allows you to do the best you can. And and then if there's a a great big unexpected challenge or obstacle, you know you've got a backup plan. It's okay to have a plan B, C, and D. And sometimes we feel like we have to wait until everything is in a row. If it hadn't been for my son's situation, there's no way I would have started my own business. And and I was just speaking with another entrepreneur today. I don't know how you feel. I don't think I could ever go back to working for somebody else. No, no, I agree. (laughs) I love working with my clients, but I could never work full-time for anybody. And And I wouldn't have guessed that if we were speaking seven years ago. So what's possible for your leaders if they suspend judgment that they have to have it all figured out and be perfect all the time? It's reimagining, right? What you're saying is reimagining and reframing um, the perspective I have about what striving for excellence means, right? It's, 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 not about striving for perfection. It's not about doing it all. It's, it's, it's what I'm hearing from you. Part of it is being very compassionate with ourselves Mm -hmm. and our team members being very patient with one another and expecting that we will fall down, right? There, there will be um, tough times and, and we may even fail, but let's be prepared for that. And part of that preparedness is building and having a climate in which you work that's based on trust, where people feel Mm -hmm. supported, where people feel that their team members and their leaders have their backs. And it's free to, they're free to express themselves and say, I need help. Or I've made a question. Or I have a question. Yeah. Right. And feel free to be able to say, hey, I know we're expected to deliver exceptional patient care every day and we're understaffed. So what are we going to do about that? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. All of these things to be able to give voice to that in a safe, safe way. Yeah. And so if you were to share, you know, one thing um, with leaders who are striving to build that type of culture with their team right, who may not be there yet, mm-hmm. who want their team members to feel safe to mm-hmm. speak up, How? what would you suggest a leader do um, to, to strengthen that type of environment or to spark that type of environment if it's not currently there? And this is where we come back to recognition, where it's fundamental. Because if I can't recognize myself, despite all of the challenges, obstacles, competing demands, then it's very hard to see it in other people. So start with you, recognize yourself every single day. Here's my assignment to everyone listening. Recognize something today before you leave for the day and then do it every single day until it becomes a habit. 
The more you do that, the more likely you will to see it all around you. And therefore, you are more likely to recognize and acknowledge it in other people. The more people feel like you see me and you accept me for who I am, the more likely I can ask the unpopular question. I can make a suggestion about how to improve things and not worry that people are going to think that I'm judging them or the organization. The more likely the new staff member is going to have the guts to put up their hand and that that longer service employees are going to listen to them and want and be craving that kind of insight. So recognize and value yourself and other people and make it very vocal. I appreciate you. I see you're doing the best you can. Um, Even when folks are not doing the best they can, recognizing the greatness, even when there's negativity, a complaint is a poorly worded request. Mm -hmm. I see that you are doing your best and you're frustrated right now. What is the most important thing I need to understand about this situation? Most of the time we, we resist our, we resist resistance. And what if in fact we leaned into it and then all of a sudden it's like pulling the, the, you can pull an elastic band and it gets tighter and eventually it snaps. If you take off some of the resistance, which is what recognition and leaning into failure and, and that integrity, it reduces the resistance. And then all of a sudden you can have conversation. It reduces the pressure, the reduces the stress, and it increases people's well-being and their trust. That's ultimately what we're trying to do. That's what almost every conference that we attend as leaders, it's about those building resiliency, reducing stress, increasing well-being, increasing engagement. Recognition is an essential vehicle to being able to do that. And if you can't recognize yourself and others when obstacles and failures happen, it's pretty darn hard to authentically recognize people outside of that. Well, Sarah, that was a perfect note to end on. And recognition doesn't have to be a big thing, but it has to be genuine and it can happen every day in every little thing that we do together and how we express thanks and gratitude. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so, so much. Please check out Sarah's books, The Flip Side of Failing and Rockstar, um, Magnify Your Greatness in Times of Change. Please go to greatnessmagnified.com to get a bunch of cool stuff and to learn more about Sarah. I really appreciate you, Sarah. You've left us with some um, important insights some practical tips and certainly um, very inspirational story and uh, sharing on your behalf. So thank you so much. It was an honor to serve your leaders who are doing the best they can in really challenging circumstances. I appreciate it. Thank you. And be sure to check out kand.co for some additional tips and strategies and take advantage of um, some free strategy sessions with me. You can find out more at kand.co. Until next time, thank you so much and take good care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.